0: Welcome to It Is Always Now with Marty Long. Get ready to open up and let true joy into your life. Join Marty for conversations about inclusivity and respect, the importance of curiosity, and making change happen. Your journey of exploration and discovery into the greater world around us begins now. Here's Marty. Greetings. My name is Marty Long. My goal is to encourage you to awaken your curiosity. Curiosity is what keeps us seeking and finding truth and lasting joy. So I'm going to talk about my top 10 places that I've traveled to, the top 10 books that I've read, and the top 10 movies that I've seen. We'll start with travel. Here's a quote from Mae West. You only live once, but if you do it right, once is enough. The Dalai Lama once a year go to some place you've never been before and you know i have to say you don't have to leave the country sometimes you don't have to leave your state if you live in a really big city i bet there's plenty of little places nooks crannies museums that you haven't been to just go somewhere you haven't been before now here's my travels that i've been to that Looking at it, at least at this moment in time, these I would call my top 10. Number one, years ago, I was able to take a picture of the Christ statue in Rio de Janeiro while standing at the foot of it on a foggy day. At the time, I was frustrated that it was foggy, but I've come to see it as a great example of how distant God sometimes seems, and I still get the same feeling I had when I look at the picture and think about it. Mandello del L'Oreal, Italy. Now this is a small town on Lake Como, but not if you can picture it, and you know, you've seen the map. Lake Como kind of has like two legs on a pair of pants. The Western leg is the one where all the fancy houses are, where the rich people live and where most people want to go. We chose to stay at this little town on the Eastern leg. And it's to this day, one of the most fabulous experiences we have ever had. Number three, the Amazon towers on the Amazon in Brazil. Totally unique. I still haven't met anyone else who's been there, although I know others have been. I, checked it and it doesn't it is no longer open but it was this I would call it um, hotel if you will on stilts because of the summer when the waters rise and it was built with the advice of Jacques Cousseau with the idea of getting people there to really understand that region. Number four, Tala, Portugal. Now, there is a monastery there that is so huge and overwhelming. I have a picture of it taken further away in the piazza so I could get the whole building in the picture. And the people, I mean, they really look like ants, the people that were standing by the front door. Sintra, Portugal. The Summer Palace. And it's done to a T. But even more interesting is that it was built in the same time frame as Versailles. And the two could not be more different. Interesting. Tells you something about the cultures, I think. Number six, Avignon, France. Now, we were there for several weeks. And we went on a dinner cruise. And they showed us and talked about this bridge. Obviously, a very old-style bridge built long ago. They only went way into the water. And they said that for maybe a century or more, they had been trying to build this out clear across the river at that point, and they never could. It would never stand. Since then, they've gone upriver and built a huge modern bridge. But they keep this one to remind them that, well, you don't always get what you want. Number seven, Valencia, Spain. Now, this is a side trip that my husband and I took one day while we were in um, Spain with another couple. They had chosen to go to Barcelona. We decided to go to Valencia. The interesting thing is that I did have another opportunity to go to Barcelona, and I never had another opportunity to go to Valencia. So I've always been glad we made that choice. And it's interesting we must not be the only people impressed because I've noticed in the last few years a number of House Hunter International episodes where people have gone to live there. Number eight, seeing Nadal playing and winning the French Open in 2019 at Roland Garros. Now, two points about this. My husband has, as one of his passions, is tennis, and I've learned to also embrace that. But the only reason we went is because I knew we were going to be in France and I wanted him to go to Paris. He had never been there. He said he didn't want to go to Paris. So I bought tickets for this event. He went, he loved Paris, and we both loved the tennis. Number nine, seeing an opera in the La Scala. It's an opera house, the opera house in Milan. It really gave me the feeling that I had gone back in time when I went there. And I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed it most in the second half because somehow during the first half, I was only focused on the stage. And of course, it was all in Italian. And I didn't realize until I suddenly saw, as the second half began, that there actually was a little reader on the back of the seat in front of me that was translating it into English. If I ever go back, I'll know this time. And number 10, a restored ruin near Penche, Portugal. For a while, I know they had a lot of House Hunter International or several episodes about people going. This is some years ago. It was kind of a trend. People would go buy one of these ruins and restore it into a livable place. And I swear, if I could have had the money and the opportunity, I would have bought the one next door. Now, they say when you're answering questions on a personality test, you must come and put down the first thing that comes to your mind. Now, I'd already narrowed down the places that I've been in my little YouTube video, the places I've been to. So now I had to narrow it down to just 10. And so, really, I just picked the ones that hit my fancy as I looked at them this time. So now let's go to movies. A couple quotes. This one by Alfred Hitchcock, and he certainly should know what he's talking about, yes? A good film is when the price of the dinner, the theater admission, and the babysitter were worth it. But there's kind of a catch, you know? If you don't go, you'll never know. There's one. Um, Rainy days are perfect days to cuddle and watch movies. You know, a little escapism is not a bad idea. So, my number one movie, Shadowlands. It showcases the type of love I once thought I would never have, but now I do. It's very compelling. Number two, bread and tulips. Now, this is an Italian movie with subtitles. It describes an accidental chain of events that allowed a woman whose overwhelming, overbearing husband did not make a happy life for her. And through this chain of events, she was able to find a totally different life. Then had to decide which one to keep and weigh the trade-offs. The best part, really, is that at the end of the movie, you aren't quite sure which decision she made. Number three, the French village. Now, this was actually a TV series about World War II, about the French during the occupation of the Germans. It shows, you know, when you have no control over your circumstances, It's easy to look back and judge these people, but it shows the conflicting emotions, the difficulty of the decisions they were forced to make. Um, I, I really would recommend that you watch it, and we did also have the opportunity later when we were in Lyon, France, to visit the Resistance Museum. It's a very interesting time in history. Number four, under the Tuscan sun. This is really about reinventing yourself. Something I have done for the past 10 years. If you ever have to do it, I hope it'll work out well for you as it has for me. Number five, eat, pray, love. Well, it just kind of sums up what life is about. Fifty Shades of Grey, all three movies. It shows how loving someone, falling in love, with someone who all your instincts tell you is wrong for you, it's sometimes persistence wins the day. Number seven, Day of the Jackal. This is an old movie that my father had at the Coast House, and I watched it in out of boredom, but I found it entertaining and engaging. In fact, not long ago, I looked it up and watched it again. Number eight, Back to the Future. Who isn't fascinated by time travel? And this is so classic. You gotta love it. Number nine, Sleepless in Seattle. Yes, it's a chick flick, but it's a good one. And number ten, Mamma Mia. I just watched it again the other night when I was home alone, which rarely happens. And what can I say? This movie has some similarities to my own childhood. Now, several of these movies are based on books. And I had read at least two of the books. And here's what I found. You know, sometimes books are so complex. And when a producer goes to recreate a movie, they have to decide, you know, how to take this book with all this information that takes hours to read and put it down into a one or two hour movie. One of the movies I think did it very well was Eat, Pray, Love. I feel like the things they left out were kind of superfluous, and I got the same feelings, emotions, message from both the book and the movie. One that I feel was not done well was Crazy Rich Asians. Kevin Kwan did a masterful job of taking his experiences in Singapore and his knowledge of the rich people there, creating characters, and he he developed the personalities of so many of those characters, which is hard to do. And most books only really develop the personalities of one or two characters. Well, the movie had to cut back, and they really only showcased Two, well, I'd say three of the people. Somehow, for me, the overall effect just wasn't the same. Okay, books. Here's a quote by Stephen King, another person who should know what he's talking about. And I love this. Books are uniquely portable magic. And here's a... Quote from Betty Smith, the world was hers for the reading. You know, reading a book is a lot like time travel. It can really open your horizons. Books I have read, you know, again, I had to narrow it down to 10. And so I really did put them kind of in the order of when I thought about them. Number one, Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck. This showcases the Great Depression of the 30s, which now is nearly 100 years ago. And I think with each generation, we think about it less and less. This is truly a case of realizing what other people have gone through. And, well, hopefully history won't repeat itself Number two, Memoirs of a Geisha by Arthur Golden. What was the most insightful to me was there was a great deal of detail given about her encounters with many of her lovers, but nothing personal was ever revealed with regard to her one true lover. This tells me that everyone has boundaries. Crazy Rich Asians. I read all three books, and for me, the intrigue was the development of the personality. So, the interaction between the family members. And even though this is about some, you know, rich family or families far, far away, I think there's some significant, you know, correlations between perhaps our own families and those and that's one of the things that makes those books intriguing. Number four, Gentleman and Moscow by Amor Talas. Now this book is pure literature. It's well written, it's intriguing, in depth, insight into the character and soul of the characters. The main character was a Russian count found guilty under the early Bolshevik rule. For reasons not totally revealed, he was sentenced to live his life out in a rather upscale hotel. The catch was, if he ever set one foot outside of the hotel, they could take him. Now, this intelligent, educated man managed to create a full and meaningful life under these very restrictive circumstances. I believe... This is one of the best books, if not certainly the best book I have read in the twenty-first century. Number five, The Good Earth by Pearl Buck, Another piece of literature that won Nobel Peace Prize or the Nobel Prize for Literature was based on China during during the twenties when there was so much turmoil. And it really showcases the strength and ability of human nature to start with nothing and slowly find ways to make yourself ever more self-sufficient. Number six, diary nannies. So a struggling graduate from NYU was trying to pay for not only school, but her microscopic studio apartment. So she takes a position caring for the only son of family X. She rapidly learns the insane amount of juggling evolved in a Park Avenue wife's life who doesn't work, cook, clean, or raise her own children. And yet... She somehow seems to have a smooth day. Well, the book is written in a very engaging and readable way and good for a lot of laughs. This next book is about spirituality, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. He has been touted as the greatest Christian apologetic of the 20th century. And honestly, should you be at all interested in my beliefs. I find nothing in that book I disagree with. The next one is an analogy. Who moved my cheese? You know, change is inevitable. Yep, most of us are uncomfortable with it and for all the right reasons. Now, through this simple story, Dr. Spencer Johnson illustrates how people react to change and how we can manage change in a more constructive way. I think it's still a very credible book. You know, there's so many books, and so books come and go and kind of fade away. And if this is one of the books you missed, I would recommend you go back and read it. I was actually required to read it when I worked for McKesson, and I think many other companies did the same thing. My last two books are about science. Not that I didn't enjoy them, but I admit they're deeper and take more effort to read, so perhaps that's why they're 9 and 10. I don't know. The first one, Chaos, Making a New Science by James Lick. The message that jumped out at me is the danger of basing sweeping conclusions on limited data. We only can go back. Two, maybe three hundred years, and say that we have solid data to base our conclusions on, and yet the earth-i mean the amount of time this earth has been around makes those one two, three hundred years minuscule, just saying, number ten, reality is not what it seems by Carly Rovelli, and no, I haven't finished the book yet, but so far. He has described how our understanding of reality has evolved over time. He moves through logic that brings our current time to conclusions. Well, the bottom line, there's a vast universe still largely undiscovered. Now, I want to talk about the book I never finished. I started reading Gone with the Wind one summer when I was in high school. I found it quite engaging for the first two-thirds of the book. And as you know, it's not a short book. But then it began to bog down. There's kind of predictable cycles. I remember putting the book down and thinking, I know how this is going to end. So I turned to the last page and sure enough, just about what I expected. Come to think of it, I stopped watching the movie in about the same place. I like what C.S. Lewis said. I mean, there are people who it's like, oh, you start a book, you have to finish it. Well, here's what Lewis said. On the obligation to finish a book. And this is in his Mere Christianity the chapter on time and time beyond. He says, it is a very silly idea that reading a book you must never skip. All sensible people skip freely when they come to a chapter which they find is going to be of no use to them. Thank you, Dr. Lewis. So, there you have it. Perhaps you will want to read some of the books or see some of the movies I've listed. But why not take this as a challenge to make your own lists, perhaps different topics? If you do, I'm quite certain you will find, as I did, that you will learn more about yourself while doing it. So remember, now is always the time to open your mind to the world around you. It is always time to develop what you really are at this moment and where you're headed. It is always now.